Welcome to the Makeshift Podcast, hosted by Chris Powell from Full Steam Designs and myself, Corey Stanley from Odyssey CNC. Chris, what do you got going on this week? Uh, not too much. We have got a guest with us tonight, though. We've got Nick Birchold from uh, Birchold Designs. Yeah. What's going on, Nick? What's up, Nick? Not much. How are you guys doing? Oh, pretty good. Uh, I've been uh, fighting a cold all day. I hate being sick, and it's, uh, I think I got sick from being in the airport or something. I went out to oh. Louisville last week. So, Man. I think uh, one of the dirt bags I was probably coughing all over the place or something probably got me sick. <laughs> nice. How was that, uh, that meetup? It was pretty cool. What um, was the name of that one? Uh, Maker Fair. So Maker Fair Lou- Louisville. Nice. Louisville's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it was my first time there. It's a pretty cool city. Um, yeah, pretty countryside too. Yeah, um, I guess we didn't really see much of that stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, the city itself like is pretty cool. I guess now that I'm taking like uh, these architecture classes, it's it's like I'm noticing stuff that I never really noticed before, different like columns and and stuff like that. So that was all pretty cool. Nice. They uh, have like a lot of a lot of different styles that are all just mixed together, but it's cool to cool to see it all together. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I went I went there uh, for locksmithing school from the Navy. They sent me the the Iwo Jima actually sent me out there for a, a month, <laughs> and uh, that was pretty fun. Yeah, but yeah, it's a super cool city there. That's a pretty cool shot out your window there, Nick. So you're in Chicago. Yep, just on the south side of downtown Chicago. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. awesome. I I like being in kind of, you know, more like country areas or whatever, but there is something I miss about being in like the city and whatever and just being able to look out and see all the people and see everything going on. I grew up in the country. Been in the city for about 10 years now. Nice. So you went to school there, right? And then you just decided to stay, I guess, with the job you got or how'd that work yeah. out? So I went to architecture school at UIC. And then in Champaign, Illinois, and then came back to Chicago for work. So, worked for an architecture office downtown. So, my commute's a short five mile nice. bike. Oh, you ride your bike? Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, I, I bet it's cool some months out of the year. <laughs> Do you ride it all year round or? Try to. Dang. Because Chicago gets rough in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> we went, we both went to great mistakes there. Uh, I think during the winter months for you too, right, Chris? Yep. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah. It got it got deep the snow. So what do you do when it snows real bad? Do you do you have an, another means of getting to work or you just top yeah, it out? Uh, buses, trains, uh, when all else feels like I got a truck too. So nice. we can park downtown, but it's a little pricey. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's always the worst part about the cities, like trying to park. It's even going downtown here to Charleston, it's just a nightmare. It's like you're either going to pay a lot or you're going to end up parking someplace you think is okay. And then they're going to tow your car or, or put a boot on or something. They, uh, they don't mess around down here. They don't mess around here. Either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's a pretty good, uh, form of revenue for them. But so how, so all this rotary CNC stuff that you're doing, that's part of, of this job that you're working, right? Like that's, like, how does that tie in? Are you, or what are you, what are you primarily making for your job side of it? I guess I should say. So now I'm a professional model maker. So I make exclude. I make 
architecture models exclusively for one firm in Chicago. So mm-hmm. a few years ago, they decided they wanted to build out a shop. So mm-hmm. I kind of came in and we built out a shop in the basement of their office building. Yeah. Or first floor, not basement. We've just been cranking away ever since. The rotary work kind of comes in because we do a lot of super tall towers. So being able to mill these complex, very complex shapes, like four axes instead of three makes, I don't have to do flips or anything anymore, but mm. did a lot of flips way back in the day. And the rotary is the way to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, man, milling a skyscraper, that would just be awesome, I think. <laughs> that would just be so, such a cool thing to do. I'll send you guys some photos on Instagram. Most of my work is confidential, but I'll share it. Right. I do a lot of polished aluminum milling, too. Nice. You've seen me some of those before, and those are are pretty wicked. So do you design the actual structure, like, of it, or do you just make, take it, take measurements and make the model? So they have, the office I work for has multiple different design teams, so usually they generate 3D models for me, but Mm -hmm. there is always some 3D model work on my end. Get in it. Right. Can't really take a model that they use to make computer renderings and make a physical model. So I end up modifying it to what I need to make a physical model of it. Gotcha. Uh, there's a lot of different styles in that too. So we do a lot of laser cutting, 3D printing, vacuum forming, and then just a, a full like kind of hand woodworking shop table saw joint up in there. Hmm. So crazy. do you have your own shop at home too, or do you just do all your woodworking between the shops you work at? So the shop that I work at um, is kind of mine to use for my own stuff. They encourage me to work on my own stuff too. Nice. Always getting better and perfecting new, te- new, new awesome. techniques and learning new things all the time. But my shop, I have my own shop as well. So that one's kind of more set up for fine woodworking. Um, and that's where I have my four foot by eight foot CNT machine is at my shop. Right on. Yeah, that vacuum forming you did on, uh, was it Darth Sidious's face there oh, for yeah. the, uh, that was a tattoo chair, right? Yeah. That thing was so cool, dude. I've been wanting to do something I could 3D mill and then vacuum form for like the longest time. I just haven't got around to making the vacuum form or buying one. And that just looks, that looks like so much fun. <laughs> it's fun. That's a whole nother learning curve too of before we, so we, the reason we have one is we went to buy vacuum form mold parts for one model and those mm-hmm. molds are like $3,000. So I got online and I'm like, we can buy a whole two foot by four foot Bella back system for 2,500, like shipped mm-hmm. to the door. So I ordered one and all of these things that I make, we usually pull one time, but you could pull them as many times as you want. You pull them a thousand times, but our molds don't see a lot of use, but it was worth it. It's worth it. So. That's awesome. Is it something that like you'd sell multiples of if you could that chair, or is that like a one-off for that one customer who wanted tattoo chairs and you're just like, yeah, for my own personal work, I, I like to focus on just the one-offs. I have mm. the mallets were pretty much the only thing I've produced in any kind of quantity, but gotcha. for the tattoo chair, if somebody else had that exact same tattoo chair and wanted <laughs> one, I would have no problem selling it. Oh, but right. Wrong chat. Yeah, good, Chris. Uh, no, I was just going to say, that's cool that, like, your company is so receptive to all that, to, you know, you doing your own thing and, and learning learning more and growing more on your own time or whatever. And uh, 
just even having the all that equipment because I feel like that's probably not super common. Am I am I right in thinking that? Not as far as I know. There's not. There might be one other architecture firm that I know of, and I think they're in Georgia that's running CNC machines. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's primarily three D printing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that is cool how they encourage that. Like, I think in most manufacturing jobs, they're probably all about how much product they can make, you know, during their working hours, and they don't really want people messing around with other stuff. Like the machine shop I worked in, they would they didn't care if you made things off the clock. Like if you wanted to come in early or or stay late, but it, it still wasn't that like, they still came around and were like, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, yeah, yeah. Do your own thing and learn. Like, I think that's a, that's a cool, uh, uh approach to that for learning. I did my, uh, the job before the job I have now was actually CNC programming for a gun manufacturer. So wood parts for all types of guns and knives. <laughs> they did not allow you to do anything, but they yeah. were, also monitored by the ATF and all these other things. Oh, right. <laughs> you were uh, on camera all the time, and nothing really went in or came out. Man, that'd be, that'd be cool to see also. You, you should send me some pictures of some of the wooden parts you were making. Because I've been kind of thinking about some of the stuff I could make, like maybe um, like stocks, um, stuff like that that I could make out of wood to like go with some ARs. Because I've got a, uh, a guy near me who makes his own... AR parts and uh, it'd be cool to just like team up with them and make some other stuff. So yeah, we did some, when I was there, we did some pretty complex things like solid body integrated wood stocks. Nice. All 3d milled left and right handed ones. Hmm. A lot of, a lot of work that goes into those. Oh yeah. Yeah. But tolerances are, as you can imagine, absolutely insane. Oh yeah. I bet. Man, tight tolerances with wood is just crazy. <laughs> just just to the way the wood can grow and change on you, you know? D- did you have to, like, stabilize them, or do you just... Yeah, like, the full carved ones were all stabilized using that, hmm. like, I think it's laminated birch or beach, where they, okay. they can color the levels and make that camouflage effect or the rainbow effect. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I even yeah, I like those. We my pink wood 8K47. <laughs> nice. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's crazy how how like a rotary CNC like like even just a CNC in your shop adds you know a whole new level of stuff you can do. But man, adding that rotary is just crazy. Like I'm, I can't even wrap my head around you know the stuff that I'll be able to do in the near future. Here, right. Once 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 I actually get mine working. <laughs> yeah, but I've been trying to think of all the things I can make because I, I I'm wanting to do a YouTube video at some point um, just on like these 20 things you could make with a rotary to just to get people's heads in that of thinking of things they could make. And mm-hmm. I wrote down some stuff, but it was like, you know, obviously spindles and, and balusters and things like that. But, um, like the stocks, the ax handles, hammer handles, um, chest pieces, um, um, like mugs, like a 3d carved mug or something like that mm-hmm. would probably sell good. But hey, what other stuff have you made, uh, Nick that, um, I know you've made vases, um, and those are pretty cool. Yeah, I, I love the scale of those. <laughs> those are awesome. That, that's kind of what I consider my experimenting. So hmm. different ways of gluing up wood blocks and then you mill them and what happens. That was always my the big interest was what does it look like when you apply a 3D pattern to a 3D form? Right. What's it going to look like? And they're always pretty unpredictable for the most part. But hmm. I'm having a lot of fun with those. 
I mean, I've done everything. Big skulls, you rotate around in the wrong, mm-hmm. what do you think would be the wrong axis? And, um, so I made a, a treasure box one, so I milled the whole arched lid. So mine can only rotate 12 inches, so I, I modeled the thing to be 11 and a half inches wide. So mm-hmm. I max mine out at every turn. It never be <laughs> either. All right. Like yeah, that's awesome. I get a bigger diameter. Yeah, I, I love the size of that mill and just how much you can do with it. You know, because I'm limited to, I think like, I could probably get like a four inch piece with the way I have it set up now. I could obviously space it out, get a little bit more room in there, but it would be awesome to to mill some stuff like that. Like, is is it an actual indexer or a fourth axis on there? Or mine, does it work the same? Mine, yeah, mine's a full four axis. Okay. I have these, I've had this okay. conversation recently too, trying to explain to someone what an indexer versus the four axis mm-hmm. was. You can basically program a bunch of three different, or a bunch of different three axis programs on an indexer. You just locate the angle and then you go to the mm. mill it. This one can mill in full 3D, like a, a helix. Or okay. Something. Yeah, that makes sense because I, I used to run a mill similar to that in the machine shop and it had just an indexer only. And it wasn't even like they weren't really running it the best way they should have. So it was like a conversational mill. So you'd have to program everything on the touchpad of the mill itself, all your locations and everything. And then the indexer had its own little box over there that you had to like input all of the degrees into, but it would like send a pulse signal when it was ready to turn. So it was like it would let it know to turn to the next one and then go mill its cycle and then turn to the next degree. But it was a, giant pain in the ass to like put all like it take me like half a day to just get the program ready to run i bet it's crazy that sounds unnecessarily complicated yeah yeah it would have been way better with just like cat cam and you know and them them working together so that's why i was curious about yours because you you make some super intricate stuff so if it wasn't all working together that way then it would be a nightmare yeah i mean i definitely run mine like an indexer too I do a, if I have like a four-sided tower model or something, I can mill one side and rotate it 90, mill the next side, rotate it 180. So there's a lot of that that goes into it too. And then even with like the, the tufted mallet handles, I would do a drill operation on six six sides. So rotate 60, 120, 180. Nice. Does yours move off of the center line? This one does, yes. Okay, that's awesome. Because that would just allow you to do so much more than a rotary where you're stuck on the center and you can't ever like if you're doing a pocket or something, you can't like run it like it's an actual pocket milling and move off the center line. You have to actually just rotate the indexer only. Yep. So that's great. I'm going to start running. So on my big machine, we have a four axis attachment on it now, which will allow me to go uh, 12 inches by eight foot long. And then that one will not go past center. So trying Mm -hmm. to mill wide pockets on the outside of the zero is impossible mm. to get clean straight up and down. Cause like you said, it's cutting in the round at that point. Right. But the one I have at work, I've even made a fixture so I can put a 12 inch wide plate on there. So I get a, I guess another spoil board that I can lift up and screw from the bottom as well. Oh, nice. Just little things that you kind of figure out as you go along too. Like I don't want to do a, a manual flip, so I'm going to mount it to this board and then the machine's going to flip it for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's smart. There's so many things like that that you have to wrap your head around when you get into rotating a part as you're milling it that 
it's uh, it's kind of like what we talked about a few episodes back, Chris, about the mold making and how you have to mm. think about it in such a different process that it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Someday yeah, you'll stuff. join us, Chris, when you get the that thing running. <laughs> it's kind of running. I got the the my little pencil in there. That's my you know pretend spindle. So I I know that I'm not like smashing into stuff. I haven't. I haven't oh yeah. I haven't damaged anything or come to where I would have damaged anything yet. So I'm probably to That's the good. point where I can start you know actually testing it. I just there was the first time I went to fire it up. I, I guess I had that you know, cause I'm still having to go into, to the Gerbil settings and, mm. um, change the steps because oh, right. it doesn't, it's not measuring the rotation. It's not like right. measuring the degrees. It's measuring it in like, it's, it's flat, like a linear thing, yep. which is a real nightmare. Um, it is. I wish I could get away from that, but I don't know. We'll see. So I still haven't figured that out yet. I did step up to a 32 bit controller. And like we've been trying the last week, week and a half of really figuring that steps to, to degree out. Um, and it can be done and people are doing it with like Mach three software, mm-hmm. but with just a controller to, you know, whatever you're outputting it to like your um, tablet or the computer, like so far we haven't figured that out on how to, how to get it to calculate that. So that's a bummer, but well, I had to switch to that con- other controller anyway because the open builds uh, crapped out on me. Oh, so. I didn't. But I'm back that. up and running, so that's that's a plus. Hmm. Yeah, I think mine is a 32 bit controller because it's like a Shimano yeah, it Pro. But hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I'm. I really am kind of lacking with my knowledge of like the software and everything side of it, or or like the firmware side of it, you know, getting all that stuff to work. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully your buddy can figure that stuff out. Yeah. He knows that stuff so well. So yeah, yeah. my buddy, Brian, um, I actually just hired him on full time in the shop to help me out with, with this kind of shit. And it's, it's kind of nerve wracking cause it's like bringing on another guy. Now I got to pay for him. <laughs> um, but I think we're, we're taking on a bunch of new jobs and we've got, um, I, I just spent the money last week on getting enough parts to make three of these rotary machines. So if anybody is interested in a rotary machine, let me know. Um, <laughs> we'll have three of them that should be all figured out the next, uh, I'd say month, you know, just to be safe. But uh, I was hoping to take one to Maker Camp, but I don't know if that's going to happen. And I don't know if I would want to deal with the headache of bringing it, finding a place to set it up. And like a few people have offered to put it like on their on their tables there, but then you got to figure out when, when do you run it? When do you show it off? And I kind of just want to go hang out with people there. Yeah. So I get, I get that question a lot too. So I'm going to start sending them your way. <laughs> oh, about, about yeah. building a rotary or what? Where do you get this? How do you do this? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Brian's supposed to be helping with like a, getting a YouTube going also as part of what he does. So like taking on some of the editing, and taking videos while I'm doing stuff. So it'll be kind of nice to just like get all that squared away and hopefully bring some good YouTube content of rotary stuff out there so that people that are interested have somewhere to go and look and find these things and hopefully address most of the questions. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, 
is something that doesn't look very approachable and there's really not enough information out there that could possibly make it approachable for, you know, your average show at home wanting to do it. Right. Yeah, but it's such a fun thing that I I I want like I want everybody to do it. I mean, maybe maybe not everybody, but I, <laughs> a lot of people to do it to get in and just like see how much fun it is to make all this stuff and just see it take off would be awesome. Yeah, I'll be happy if I can make just like hammer handles and stuff like that, you know. I figured yeah, it'd be cool once once I'm able to make my own like hammer heads and stuff with the blacksmithing. Um, you know, to be able to make like a complete custom hammer with the handle and the head and everything. I think. Yeah, that'd be, be wicked. Cool. Yeah. I've, I've been wanting to do that too, of just like milling my own metal head. Hmm. Cause obviously I'm not going to be getting good enough at blacksmithing anytime soon to be, <laughs> or buying all the equipment to do it. But, uh, that would be awesome to be able to just make the handle and the head. Yeah. So Nick, how have, uh, your mallets, have you, are you still selling the mallets? Um, um, or ha- I've sold a few, but okay. now I, I made a bunch and then sold a few, and I have a mm. bunch still. But oh, do you? Put in the effort to list them all again. So oh, yeah. They're just sitting there. Well, if you guys want badass mallets, seriously, if you haven't checked out his stuff already, go check it out, because even, even the stuff you're making is cooler than the stuff I'm making, but obviously you have way more experience doing this. You've been doing it for years. Uh it's I like the the one that you made with it was like the hexes hexagons with the skulls in that. Mm. I love that style. I yeah. think that thing's wicked. <laughs> thing is cool. Yeah. Still got that one. I don't know. Oh, I really? wasn't planning to sell that one, but oh. maybe. Have you dealt with I mean yours are mostly like decorative or wooden ones that you'd use for like while you're assembling something, if people even used it, you know, they might just buy it just to put it on their wall. Um, but have you, have you had any issues like just the ergonomics of it? Like when you put a whole lot of texture on something and you're like banging something with it, are you like, ah, my hand hurts after this? (laughs) Is that something you've dealt with at all? Um, nah, they don't see a lot. I use mine just because Mm -hmm. they're there and I made them and I just want to test them. I guess I know one person that bought one of mine uses it regularly. Is it Austin? (laughs) I haven't seen Austin use it. I haven't, I haven't seen any of those guys use theirs. And They're free. Because I try to build them to the best of my ability to be as strong as I can. Hmm. Hashtag tooling has one. He hasn't used it yet. I was hoping he would use it. Because hmm. yeah, I know yeah. he's not going to be shy with it. Nice. Hoping he wouldn't. Yeah, it's, it's kind of nerve-wracking making them for like... Because I've made a, a few that I sent to Keith for uh, making some forging hammers out of. And I'm like, man, like if he, if he's going to be really slamming, slamming away on some, um, on some hot metal and obviously he's going to wedge it himself. So if it falls apart, it's his fault. But, (laughs) but it's one thing that when you're making this, you got to think about is like, man, hopefully I did this right. And like the grains facing the right direction and, and this thing holds up for him. Yeah. I give mine all a couple real hard whacks before they leave the shop and I've, I've broke two but I can pretty well chop that up to try to use crazier grain sometime and that's usually where they break hmm. well, that's where the first two broke so hmm. something that has a straight grain and then it's wavy hmm. that wavy with a lot of pressure is pretty weak hmm, I see but I've been using I made a solid ash one and I've, I've put that thing through the ringer but 
Nice. Yeah, strong stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think most axes are what, like ash and hickory? Are those just like the two strongest woods for those or what? I've heard the same thing. Huh. I've done some hickory ones too, but it's a little stringier and a little heavier than the ash. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy, like, looking at your page, just all the stuff you've done. And this is another one of the the pages that it's like, how do you only have, like, 4,000 followers, you know? <laughs> like, because this is, this is all just super interesting stuff. Like, like your reels are all just really interesting to watch and whatever, and, and just all the stuff you're making is just crazy. And it's such a process, too, because you're, like, before you even start machining this stuff, there's a huge process that goes into you know putting the, all the wedges together and even just cutting all the wedges and for all mm-hmm. the different colored pieces and everything it's just it's crazy yeah it is awesome like that's the one thing that i when i look at your stuff i'm like damn how did he do that glue up like stuff's wild <laughs> yeah so my my dad does a lot of segment and turning now um and he he kind of showed me the ropes and all that stuff so once I start, once I decided I wanted to get into that, I, I built a wedgie slip and a table saw, and go through and CNC all these triangles that you can find your like perfect angles for the wedgie slip. Hmm. Build an adjustable stop block for different size rings and pieces. And once it it looks complicated, but once you understand the process, it's it's just a it's a bunch of repetition. So. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've always wanted to, I mean, I haven't done it yet, but um, uh, what's it, Felt House Designs, those um, weaves he does on his cutting boards. Like, I just want to make, you know, before he, like, cuts them up again to do the glue up, and they're just like that X shape of, of just the glue up, I'm like, man, that thing would probably look wicked, you know, as a rotary, you know, as 3D milled like that. But I just haven't got around to gluing up a blank like that. And I wasn't sure with something like that, how it, how strong it would be, you know, I don't want to make it this badass looking mallet and then go to use it and it just falls apart in my hand. <laughs> Sometimes you got to just try. Yeah. 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 Ryan's stuff is another, his cutting boards and stuff are on another level. Oh yeah. Those are awesome. That's, the that's time, a, a attention to detail and time. And that's crazy. Developing those patterns would be an, in my mind, a nightmare. And then developing these, planer jigs and stuff that he's using to do one step of a mini step process is right third to me but he's doing yeah, it right yeah it, yeah, it impresses know. me not only does he do that like all of that's so awesome but then he has that little dewalt um job job site saw that he's making all these super precise cuts on and i'm like man i got this grizzly shop fox that is more than capable of making these cuts, and I'm nervous about it. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Say my, I've got the big, the biggest saw stop you can get, and running three inch material through, it still slows down. So mm. I don't, he's got, he's got it all figured out. Yeah, it, it makes me laugh every time I see him on that little contractor side. <laughs> yeah. He probably just kept the shroud of the DeWalt and he's got like some badass saw hidden underneath it. <laughs> just for the, the footage. Yeah. <laughs> Typically I write down like notes and questions that I ask ahead of time. And with having Brian in the shop, I was like working up till I had to take him back to his house because his car was broke down today. And then I had to get 
pizza cooked real quick for my kids. And then I'm like trying to get all my shit and get out the door to go to the, come to the office and get set up. So I didn't even write anything down this time. Yeah, no, did I, I've been absolutely dying all day. I'm, I, I'm like, usually I'm pretty good, but man, I'm a pretty big baby when I get sick. So I've just getting sick's the worst. Yeah. I, uh, normally I'd be like freaking out if I sat around all day and didn't do like anything mm. like that would just absolutely put me in just the worst mood ever, but I didn't do anything today and I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah. When you're sick and you're trying to do stuff, you feel even worse than if you just laid there. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm going to get something done. And you're like, no, I feel fucking terrible. And I don't want to get far from the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even go to class today, man. And I got like the blacksmithing classes tomorrow. So that's going to be rough. Hopefully it helps me just to uh, like sweat the rest of this out. I guess we'll see Either that or I'll yeah. pass out in class and <laughs> hit my head on off an anvil or something. <laughs> Do you remember that time that uh uh was an Picar yeah. fell out in uh, in uh, in quarters? We haven't told that story, have we? I don't. I can't remember. We mentioned it once, but I I don't remember if we actually told it on here. Man, that was so funny because like so in the Navy that you have quarters right where you have to like all go to this certain spot in the morning and make sure everybody's there, and then you know your chief or master chief will put out like information for the for the day and. uh this one guy had been, I think he had stayed up all night playing video games. It wasn't even like he was out it's drinking. Call of Duty. <laughs> he was playing the it was like, Call of Duty all night. Yeah. It like just came out. He had like had multiple energy drinks and was just like dehydrated, but it's seven o'clock in the morning and we're all just standing there. And he like kind of like leans over into uh, one of the guys that worked with me and he, he he's just real loud. He's like, get the fuck off me, picker and shoves him. <laughs> he just hits the steel deck. Just bam, just, just, just passed out and nobody moved to get him or anything. Cause we're just like, what the fuck's he doing? And the master chief <laughs> looks over at him. He's like, picker, get the fuck up. <laughs> it's so funny. He died. So it's not <laughs> as funny anymore. <laughs> he didn't no, actually die. No, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time. So, uh, how many, uh, is it just you pretty much running all this stuff in your, your shops there for work? Like, are you the, the main like machining guy or are you like the only guy? I'm the only guy. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yes. He's got like free reign. Yeah. Hmm. But awesome. This week was a rough week. I think I, I logged 92 hours on the time sheet. Dang. We had a model that needed to go out and. Five days, and it's usually a three or four week long process. Running all all the machines at the same time and working <laughs> late night. Is that something that you'd like plan on bringing somebody in there with you at some point, or you're just comfortable running it all by yourself? Right now, I'm comfortable doing it all by myself. If, if work picks up a lot, which it's supposed to, I'll, I'll end up hiring an intern. Um, mm. Probably hiring a UIC student. No, oh, nice. Kind of give them access to the shop and teach them. Hopefully, teach them well enough to help out on the real the real project. Yeah, yeah, that that'd be super cool. I don't think you're gonna get that that kind of experience anywhere else. Like, yeah, with all that kind of stuff. Not being like an architectural student or whatever. Right. Yeah. At, uh, at my uh, school here that I'm going to, they just built like this new manufacturing center. And half of it is full of like CNC machines and like PLC setups, like all these simulation things. 
And then the other half is just like empty. And I was asking uh, one of the instructors the other day, I'm like, what are they doing with the rest of that space? Like, are they planning on just filling it or what? And they're like, oh, no, they're going to let um, like businesses come in and rent the space. And I was like, well, how does how the hell does that work? Like, if I just brought my shop in there and my CNC machine and woodworking stuff in there, like, what are the rules for that? You know, and they're like, yeah, it's for startups. So it'd be like a one year thing. And I'm like, who the hell would want to move all their equipment for <laughs> one year, knowing you have to move again? Like, I don't think I'd see the value in that, but it would be cool to have all those like students available for like input and for help, you know, and it'd just be kind of a cool vibe to be like working and then all these people are like coming through on a tour and being like what the what's this guy doing (laughs) but i don't know i kind of like my quiet in my shop especially when i'm working on something like complicated or whatever i don't want i don't want anybody coming through asking me questions about it yeah yeah especially if you have the uh, tap and die set out (laughs) you really don't want them asking questions yeah (laughs) Yeah, that, that, that's one thing I didn't think about, though, because you have all the classroom, all the classes are like lined up. Like if this was like a long warehouse, it's like all the classes are on one side for two stories and they all have windows facing into like the manufacturing space so they can like be doing their 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 studies and then looking down to see what what's going on in the shop. <laughs> and I could just imagine like you with your shop out there, like just pissed yeah. off through throwing things yeah, around. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, be awesome. Yeah, I've never, I've never worked in a kind of a, a maker space, so I don't understand how they do it. I'm, I would be like you guys. I like my shop, the quiet, the the outburst that nobody sees. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how those maker spaces do that. Like, I mean, it's one thing if you like hire a guy on or something, and he's using your equipment, and you know, like you're training him the right way, but you could fire him or whatever. But if you had a maker space, and you're the investor. Like I'd be worried all the time that somebody's just gonna smash it in one of these CNC machines, not knowing what they're doing, and like that's a lot of people to keep an eye on. Even if even if they're all, I think they get like trained and like certified to use each equipment. But mm-hmm. I mean, it takes a lot of hours of running a CNC machine before you're not scared of crashing it, and usually you've crashed it a few times before you're that comfortable. <laughs> yeah. What's hey. what's the uh, what's the best crash you've had? <laughs> me yeah oh i've had a couple good ones uh i think my first week on in the gun shop i uh was zeroing out we used to zero out with these caliper plates and i i spun my z dial the wrong way and it crashed right through that 400 dollars dial <laughs> uh, you get one you get one of these next time you you gotta buy it i'm like shit it's a few days work yeah but i at u of i um they didn't really teach us how to use their CNC machine, but they had one. So mm. I took it upon myself to teach myself how to use it. And that one had dual tabletops that you could lock together or not lock together. And it was a vacuum bed system. So mm. if you turn, if you don't lock them together and then turn it on, but you only suction down one half of it, it'll rip your part in half. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun one. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, like an aluminum top to it that had the MDF on top, the spoil board. And I think I cut a good inch down into the aluminum one day and frantically scrambled <laughs> in something over that mess. Uh, more recently, I was, uh, I was pretty lazy and I had to drill two holes on a piece of MDF and 
I didn't want to do a bit change to a drill bit, so I, I drilled them with the ratter bit, which you should not do. <laughs> Just start a fire. It started a fire, but I couldn't <laughs> see the fire because it was sucking all the smoke down through the back. It started the fire on the spoil board. So then the vacuum is sucking all of the ember and stuff down into that. Yep. And I'm like, I can smell the fire, but I don't see any smoke. <laughs> fire. So it's like scrambling to the, first <laughs> the dust collector bag. Is that on fire? That's a, that'd be a bad one. If it yeah. sucked up into the dust collection. Had to frantically fix that one too. And in the MDF. Epoxy it in. Man, if, if I did that, because I almost did that one day, and that's when I found out about how bad the vacuum table is for, you know, it fuels the fire yeah. if you have one. But I was making this, like, um, sign, and it was, like, a glue-up of uh, a bunch of, like, hickory boards, like, on, like, a plywood backboard. And then under that was the vacuum table. <laughs> and so I was just like, yeah, this, you know, I had that new CNC machine, so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to put this giant bit in there i'm gonna plunge straight through i'm gonna really take a, a massive cut <laughs> and when it was plunging it had like i think the plunge was too slow or something and it would just like started a fire down there and i didn't know and it's still going and i'm like smelling it and i'm like what the hell's going on i ended up stopping it turning the pump off and finding the flame and putting it out but you know if if i had a serious fire in there i would have like a flamethrower out the back of my shop <laughs> going through those vacuum pumps because it goes directly out the wall on like a short pipe and then the, my pumps are out back and then i have my chicken coop back there so it would <laughs> probably just burn down the jam- the damn chicken coop so i would know by the smell of fried chicken that i have a issue <laughs> oh man so I've been lucky enough to have never had like a bad crash on my own, but at I worked for this like small like jobber shop and they were working on something that was like just a little too big for the table and the guy it like was partially sticking out the door and but I guess it let him shut the door, so it wasn't that far out. But as soon as it moved, it just ripped the door right off the machine. So, like, a- after that, the door was just completely destroyed. Like, they had to beat it back into, you know, position and to even get it open or whatever. Um, but, yeah, that thing, it always had, like, a real jacked-up door on it from that, <laughs> which was pretty funny. It's It's crazy how, like just how fast that stuff will happen, you know, like one minute, everything's fine. And the next minute, you know, doors are literally getting ripped off your machine. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. sucks when you're sitting there and you're going through like the checklist <laughs> in your head too, of like all the things, you know, could fuck up. Yep. And then the thing that fucks up, you're like, ah, damn. Yeah. So obvious. <laughs> never, never thought, never thought the door was going to come off, but yeah, you're like, Oh, I'm good. You know, I got my Z offset, right. You know, blah, blah, blah. All this is set and whatever. And you hit that start button and your doors blow off. <laughs> we had a guy in the, in the CNC shop. Cause we had our shop was separated by like the repair shop and the CNC shop down the hill. But we had some CNC machines in, in our little cell area that we worked on but they were all like the conversational, like proto track, like you, you write the, the, the program to them, but down the hill, they had just got like this brand new CNC machine and they had just got like a brand new, like Renshaw, Renishaw probe or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I forgot what the price was on this, but I think it was like four or five grand for the probe. Yeah. 
<laughs> and the first thing this guy did was just smash it straight down into the into the table. So he fucked up the probe and oh, like <laughs> and the you know machined table on this thing. <laughs> but he, he kept his job though because he you know was the boss's son. So anybody else would have been fired. <laughs> Say, I, I've got a, I've got one of those probes. I've never smashed the probe body, but I've had to replace the needle on it a couple times. So. Miss spinning the the axis is in the wrong way or accidentally job locking or <laughs> man a little bit of it all say our the Haas machine I have used to have the shroud on it but every time I would want to machine something big I'd have to take it off otherwise it'd be in the way and I would have been ripping doors off but so I, I took it off and now every time I start the CNC machine I have to disable all of the safety features <laughs> That's when you know you're doing it right. <laughs> it's got no guard. It's got no router guard, no face guard, no shroud. It's got tons of pinch points. And I know well enough to, to stay away. And usually other people aren't in the shop while these machines are running. But yeah, we've talked about that before, too, about how dangerous some of these machines can be in your shop if you're not paying attention to them. And, man, they, they move quick and they're unforgiving. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you take the safety features off. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't know that that mill you're using was a Haas with the shroud taken off. I thought it was more of like a proto track mill or something like that. That was like a knee mill that you were just using. Nope. It's oh, that's a cool. TM1. So nice. a little Haas. Oh, okay. It's a, I think it was a 2008 model. So the shroud was, it wasn't a complete full shroud, but it was like a half shroud. Hmm. Uh, kind of a chip collector and auger and stuff like that. Yeah, the yeah. new the new TM ones come with the full shroud. Which hmm. if, I ever, if we ever upgrade to something else, it'll all be coming up as well. So, <laughs> so how does yeah. that work when you're um like buying new stuff? Like, are you just in charge of your own budget there, or like, are you you, so, know, you take care of all your tooling and stuff like that? So yeah, um, usually. We don't. I don't have a budget. It it is. It is <laughs> I would say we work for some of the richest people in the world. That's awesome. We've done the world's tallest tower. We did two, the twenty twenty expo and the twenty seventeen expo. So it's kind of we need the tools we need to get the jobs done. And money really isn't and a factor in that regard. But <laughs> I've been asking for a bigger machine for a while. We don't have one yet, but we also. Hmm. Don't room for it so that's another we got to get more space and then we got to do this and we got to do this but stuff like it, like I was saying with the vacuum form it's the cost of the machine is less than one job so we'll just buy yeah. it it makes complete sense to just buy the machine yeah it's kind of the when I was specking the platter the four axis platter for the machine I think that was like $25,000 part so that was a conversation, but it's like this saves us this much time. It eliminates seams from flipping. It makes this faster, this faster, this faster. We're primarily tower, so we want to mill everything in that orientation. So I get it. So we got it. That's awesome. I know most most people that are makers are probably like, or a lot of them. I think it's like maybe half and half. Like some people already work for themselves. Uh, they're already doing their own thing. And then there's other people that are working a full-time job, do the maker thing as a hobby. And, you know, they want to go full-time and then it, it always, 
uh, I think the coolest stories I hear though, are the people that like yourself that have like this awesome job that lets them do kind of pretty much whatever they want. Um, that they would rather just stay at the job and be able to make their own things. Like those are it's super cool to hear that. Cause I mean, like you get to get your, uh, like professional satisfaction of having like employers and people that value you and think you're like doing a good job. But then you also have that other side of like, you get to use all the fun toys that, you know, you might not be able to afford on your own budget if you're doing this for yourself. So I think that's, it's always super cool to hear that about people that like love their job because they have the freedom to do what they want. And yeah, I think that's awesome. It's, it's a lot of fun for me. Both working and working on my own stuff. Yeah, you probably get like the the right balance of it too. Because like, if you're doing it all for yourself, you know, you're worried about your own overhead and budget and you know the things that keeping keep your shop going. Um, yeah, I don't know. I lost my train of thought there. I had something going. <laughs> it, it definitely allows me to pick my clients. Like, I don't, I don't need jobs to to keep anything afloat. So. I take the yeah. jobs that are fun or challenging. Or yeah, that's nice. For yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. So I'd like to focus on one-off things. I get kind of irritated when i got to make the same thing over and over and over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it yeah, does wear you out. That gets old real quick. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the whole... Like production mindset is just mm-hmm. training. Yeah. Uh, Chad said something that I thought was pretty interesting in the Working Hands podcast today that came out on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was he enjoys the efficiency of like he doesn't like the monotonous work, but he loves trying to find awesome ways to make the make his oh, shop yeah. so much more efficient, you know, with little jigs or fixtures or I think he said he, he had uh, clamped up 35 pieces of wood and was able to rip the corner on them all, like rounded over and, mm-hmm. you know, a certain way. And I, I thought that was interesting to think about how it is fun trying to figure some of that stuff out, like trying scaling to, it, trying to like reduce your cycle times, basically like yeah. finding, finding any little tip you can, that'll, that'll, or a trick that you can, that'll find, that'll save you, you know, a half a second or whatever. And you find enough yep. of them and, and you can shave a lot of time off the job. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, sad to hear that he's, he's, uh, I don't know if we can say that yet. Cause I don't know if, I mean, they released it, but he's leaving the show for now, but he's mm-hmm. probably going to come back for random episodes on there. But mm-hmm. I am happy for him that he's, uh, you know, successful with what he's doing. And that's the reason he's departing for now to focus on his own business. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have like a, a hard time balancing that stuff, Nick, where like, you know, you're wanting to do more of this one off stuff or whatever. Or you kind of just make yourself fit it in when you can. I try to make myself fit it in um, long hours uh, all night. I mean, I've, I'm known to do all nighters and all weekends. And when I, I kind of set my mind to doing something, I, I try to follow through on it. Mm. But there are certain times where work interferes with that but i try to never make my work interfere with work either though so that's kind of a one-way thing um, when i have the time to do my stuff i, I get it done when work calls that's number one priority like do you do you have somebody who comes and checks on you at all or are you just kind of your own boss like 
kind of report my, to somebody over the phone, kind of? I report to the partners of the office. So oh, nice. Just the, the three guys who run it are basically my bosses. And hmm. I, I, I do my best to keep them happy. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I overproduce at work from time to time. So. Like, I keep, I, I do things to try to keep them off my bed. Yeah, that makes sense. Sounds like a pretty sweet gig. Yeah. So, you've got um, some kind of a maker event coming up this weekend, aren't you? Up in Chicago? Yep. So, that'll be out at uh, Past Tense Workshop uh, in the burbs of Chicago. But I believe 3 3D DIY Dave is coming to do some maker scans for his maker scan project. <laughs> Meet up with my buddy Luke in the garage and Alma from Pink Soul. And I'm sure a bunch of others from Chicago that I'm not aware of yet. Nice. Do you guys have a pretty tight knit group up there in Chicago? Like, is there a decent um, community of people? Yeah, it's all. I, I feel like it's always growing too. Um, I'm kind of. I'm not a social media expert by any means. I <laughs> Instagram's hard enough for me to kind of maintain anything on. So I'm trying to keep yeah, we, up. we complain about Instagram quite a bit on here. <laughs> trying to keep up with everyone is. It's difficult for me. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's almost a full time job trying to keep up with what what all everybody else is doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's definitely uh, uh, definitely stressful to try to stay like ahead of it. Try to figure out what the next cool thing or whatever is going to be. Like, I think uh, I think this past couple of weeks has kind of just made me say screw it almost, you know, and I'll just post whatever I want. And, yeah. I think that's how most people are with it now. They're just sick of the being forced to be. Uh, what do you, it's not. It's not complacency. What's what's the word I'm missing? Consistent, consistency. Mm. Being forced by the algorithm to be consistent is kind of the thing that sucks about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. What's kind of ruined it for me is like I've been posting YouTube Shorts a lot lately, and I'll post the same exact short as I'll post as like a, a reel and the short will get, you know, 30 or 40,000 views or whatever. Or some of them were going up to like 200,000, like immediate, like, like within 30 minutes basically. And, and the reel would just do nothing. So I don't know what the difference is. I don't know how they're going they to show it to people or, or what uh, it is, but yeah. I wonder if they just don't like cross platform, like sharing. I mean, you think they would because they get so, more content that way, but so I thought there could be something to that. So I would try posting like the reel first, or try posting the, uh, mm. uh, whatever the short or even TikTok. I've been putting them on TikTok and trying to like change up the order in which I post them, and mm. it didn't seem to make any difference. It are you taking the same video and posting yeah. it separately? Okay. I don't know if it was like you're hitting the share button from one to the oh, other. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I try not to do that because I don't want the little uh, watermark there mm, right. know, from Instagram on YouTube or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to stay away from that. I thought that was best. But, yeah, it, it doesn't seem to matter if you're posting the same exact content or what. It just consistently for me, YouTube was always doing better. Hmm. But, you know, but then again, you really... Like, I don't think I've really gotten anything out of it. I've gotten a few hundred subscribers, and I mean, who cares? You know, like, they didn't really go back and watch all my other content, so I don't know. 
it's kind of weird. It's a, every, it seems like everything is in like a weird change state right now where it's mm. everybody's trying to figure out what like people want basically. And I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what the next uh, shift is. Like if a, a new app comes out of somewhere that, you know, seems to work a lot better than all the other ones or if they combine into something i don't know yeah i had seen some peter mckinnon video who was talking about some new app or whatever and i had never even heard of it and i went and looked it up and i'm like he's the video was like why whatever this app is is blowing away instagram and i'm like well they just paid you to say that because <laughs> yeah exactly because no one's ever heard of this app you know so yeah it does get frustrating trying to learn a new app also just to see if it'll work. Like I've thought about posting some stuff on Reddit, you know, just so I can get some yeah. haters, <laughs> but then it's like, I don't want to go and learn how to use Reddit and, you know, so, I just did. <laughs> did you? Oh yeah. And, uh, did you put the, nip, the nips on there. No, if you post ah. a big woodworking group, they flag it and take it down. Or they ah, really? or not sneak one in, but I had one in one of my videos and I posted it there and they took it down and said <laughs> violation of whatever sexual rule they have. And I'm like, it's a, it's a fun, we can't just let this be a, a fun thing. How, how is that even a thing? Like, the, <laughs> like you can watch any TV show. Like if you were a kid and you wanted to just like get on and watch a movie that had some explicit stuff in it, like this day and age it's not hard for them probably to find something like that and then people are worried about you know some boobs on a vase <laughs> like come on there's bigger problems out there so they had one of the rules was no firearms and stuff like that and i'm like all right i, I get it um, there's probably better outlets and avenues for that but i had made a table where i carved in like a simulated airplane crash so there were missiles and rocket launchers and stuff around the plane milled into a piece of wood and they they took that one down as, and then they called it firearms <laughs> that, that one seemed like a stretch but. yeah that does seem like a stretch oh yeah that that one you made was super cool because that was like the airplane was that in a coffee table or something like that yeah they took that down that thing was freaking super cool yeah they're probably just jealous <laughs> so they have <laughs> um yeah i don't know reddit was crazy everyone's no one ever says anything derogatory or mean on instagram uh, reddit oh, yeah. pretty eye open. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. everybody's nice on instagram it's probably the same people too and they just like we gotta play nice here people know oh, who i am they gotta run it and like this is fucking dumb <laughs> like the first Letters. thing I posted on there was a table with some carved tufting on it and uh, it was split 50% of people liked it. 50% of people hated it. And no one was shy about either one of them. But then it's all, it's all anonymous. I, ch I try to look up. I don't know. The first couple bad ones, I was just like, all right, who are these people? What are they making? Yeah. And, uh, you can't find anything. It's all anonymous. But, yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, it's always someone who never, never puts themselves out there and mm -hmm. shares their work that, that will blast you, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, God, what's his name? Um, uh, Dietrich there. Justin Dietrich um, does, like, the timber framing. 
he he had just posted something somewhere i forget where it was if it was on instagram or what but somebody like was just blasting him about how terrible whatever he did looked or whatever and it's like like he's pretty well known for his stuff you know i think it's easy to argue that that it all is pretty appealing to your average person but for whatever reason this person just didn't like it and then you know, he went and looked at their account and of course they had like three followers and had never made a post or whatever. Like, uh, I don't know that stuff. It wears you out though. You know, it's like, like I've, I've actually started deleting some of the stuff I posted on Reddit. And then I'm like, I really do enjoy posting stuff on there. Cause I get a lot of interaction with people and, and your average person seems to enjoy it and they seem to be learning something from it. I'll always get them asking questions about, you know, either what I'm using or, or what the process is or, or whatever, you know, but then you'll just get that one bad egg that comes in and just completely ruins it. And it's like, eh, maybe I won't post this stuff on here anymore. And that sucks. Cause like those people who are getting something from it, like they suffer, you know, you know, as a creator posting your stuff, like you kind of suffer from it, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know what it is. If they're just so miserable that they're trying to just beat you down to their level or what it's like, they all, all want to be able to say like, like, Oh, I got one over on this guy who puts himself <laughs> out there. Like, yeah, like, yeah, you may be making stuff, but I made a rude comment and I got you for one <laughs> second, you know? I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's silly. <laughs> what if uh, the trolls also go after woodworkers and makers? Yeah. Yeah. I'm jealous. <laughs> Everybody's jealous. <laughs> well, you want to get into uh, recommendations? Yeah, it's probably a good idea. You want me to uh, go first? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so I know we poke fun a lot, and, uh, you know, it is all in good fun, but so my recommendation this week is going to be Tony Woodland from Woodland Iron, and he's just made his first knife, and, you know, again, I know we we all poke fun and whatever, but I'm I'm hoping to see him post more about this, just because I think it's going to be interesting to watch that journey, Um, you know, like knife making is not something that that he ever really thought he would do i think um you know so it's it's definitely something different for him just he kind of did your more traditional blacksmithing stuff you know so i think that would be interesting to to see him doing that and like i said i hope he does share more about it so uh you know go go push him to share more nice my uh, my recommendation is going to be um don't follow tony cuz tony is mean <laughs> <laughs> And he threatened to drown me in a duck pond, but no, yeah, we're we're just kidding. I mean, we've we've got a friendly rival rivalry going on because we've got the uh, challenge coming up at the maker camp where we're all gonna let's us and the working hands boys are gonna try to uh, make something with um, Sam Metalworks, Uncle Sam Metalworks. Yeah, so we I don't think we know yet what we're making, but mm-hmm. it'll be I think it'll be fun. And it's it's fun talking talking smack between the two podcasts. I think, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, especially, Tony, especially over the internet where yeah. Tony can't actually do anything to you. Exactly. 
I'll be way nicer to him in person. <laughs> He's like six foot tall. <laughs> but then I'll like kick him in the shin and run off at the end of it. And it'll be fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tony's a good guy. I'm, I'm glad to see he finally made that that knife, too. It was a pretty cool little knife. So do you have an actual recommendation? Or? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, mine is uh, don't follow Tony. <laughs> no, my actual recommendation is going to be uh, Lewis and Son Fab. So that's Lewis underscore and underscore son underscore underscore fab. And uh, so this guy's local to me, but he has his own little machine shop at his house and he makes all kinds of gun parts, ARs, uh, the uppers and lowers, all kinds of accessories for him and uh, does all the Cerakoting and and laser work himself too. And he's even got a flamethrower that they've made themselves and he's making and selling this thing and just a lot of really cool stuff that they're doing over there that I think everybody should go and and check them out. I mean, if you're into machining or if you're into guns, this is the dude, this is the dude to look up, and he's got a lot of interesting videos and, and reels and stuff on there. Hmm. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I sent you that video the other day, Chris, of him using his, his flamethrower <laughs> to uh, yeah, yeah. get the ice off of his driveway in the winter <laughs> over this last winter. <laughs> Well, what about you, Nick? Who you got to gotta recommend? So the guy I'll recommend is his Instagram name is L-E-I Wood Design. And the stuff he's doing with uh, woodworking and a robot arm is inspiring for me. Been following his work for a while. and he, uh, He's got a lot What's of creativity going. What's the name of it again? L-E-I Wood Design. Oh, wow. L-E-I. Here. Oh, here it is. But he six axis milled this epoxy resin and wood cow. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. That sounds awesome. I like I this video here where he's riding on the CNC, like sleeping on the, the bed as it's moving because it's so massive. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like it's like a four by eight sheet turned sideways that's moving back and forth on this thing. So, I mean, the thing must have an eight foot wide bed by who knows how many feet long. That's wild. That's Man, awesome. There's some cool stuff people got out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to follow this guy and, and see some of the stuff he's making. Yeah. That's all pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, Nick, we've been trying to get you on here for a while and, uh, talk to you about your your rotary stuff so glad you could join us yep thanks for having me and i'm around to help if anybody has questions on rotary stuff sweet i'll send you some don't tell me that because i got for chris too (laughs) i got plenty of questions (laughs) we're gonna start a group chat right now (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah that'll be buzzing all into the night with with questions of uh all sorts of dumb stuff i'm sure Hey, uh, Corey, you don't happen to have the uh, patrons. Up, I do. do yeah. I think we just say we got weird. like one new one it's or something. It's weird having patrons. Yeah. <laughs> that is hard to remember, like to <laughs> to make sure you, you fit that part in. Yeah. So, yeah, we do have a, a new one that I don't think I added to the list yet, but I'm going to look while I'm going to try to do this. This should probably be in like the list of stuff that we discussed before actually starting to record. <laughs> yeah. The podcast. 
Why do I have to verify this device? <laughs> I, this is the only device I ever get on. Is it because I'm on a new uh, um, internet provider? I think if I stole my own computer, if somebody stole my computer, they'd probably be in my emails to say this is them anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. I swear we've done this before. <laughs> well, the patron thing's pretty new for us. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, it is. All right. So whenever you're ready. I mean, I'm waiting on you. Okay. All right. And for our patrons, we've got Keith from Blackthorn Concepts. Ed John's butt joints, butt joints.com, uh, Green Street Joinery, Mike Nye, Vincent Ferrari, Brenda Powell, Chad's Custom Creations, Andrew Hatch Made It, Mike from Picks to Proto, uh, Junkyard Jewel, Toby, UK Knife Supply, Tony from Woodland Iron, Henry Davis, HT1 Metalworks, and our two new patrons this week are Matthew Artigino Serio, that name that always trips that up uh, <laughs> Tony, <laughs> um, and David Beckwith. So we'll do a little intro for those two. Yeah, so you so just met saw, Matthew, didn't well, you? Well, I've, I've met him before, yeah. Okay. Um, first place I met him in person was uh, WorkbenchCon, just this last one that we had. Um, man, he's a freaking funny guy. And uh, he's a real, like, ball buster but uh, nice. he, he's he's funny about it, you know, just uh, giving Chad a hard time and stuff. And um, it, it's funny. They were like, when we met him in person, Keith was like, how do you say your name? You know, meaning, or how do you pronounce your name? Meaning like, mm -hmm. like Artigino, like, can oh, you yeah. say that for me? And he's like, he comes up and he's like, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Wasn't yeah. he on the Working Hands podcast recently? He was, yeah. Austin Chad's Balls? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a funny one. Yeah, that was, that yeah, was he's cool. a riot. But yeah, yeah he's, he's always at, at all these all these events and whatever. But uh, yeah, he was up in um, uh, Louisville just this last weekend here. So yeah, oh, it was nice. nice seeing him again. It was surprising. I didn't I didn't know he was going to be there. I'm terrible at like keeping track with who's actually going to be at these events because there was a handful of people there, like Griff makes and. Um, they were all there and I didn't even realize it until after and Griff had even messaged me saying something and it just didn't click for me that he was going to be there. So I like completely missed half of these people. Um, <laughs> but oh well, I guess, uh, guess we'll all catch up again sometime. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then our, our other newest patron is David Beckwith from David Beckwith makes. And uh, I mean, he's, He's got all kinds of woodworking and, and stuff on here. Uh, he's, I think he's been pretty supportive of the, the Working Hands podcast from what I've seen and seems to be a all-around uh, friendly dude, messaging, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, happy to have you, David, and looking forward to talking with you some more. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> That's not really awkward. <laughs> well, I don't know what else to say about him. You got anything else to say about him? No, that was fun. That sucks having patrons. <laughs> Let's just get rid of them all. <laughs> uh, you're the one that said that we would like introduce each person. You know what we should you're do? Right. We should have them like call in with a mm. like a, a quick their own introduction. Yeah, because <laughs> it's hard. Like you know, introducing somebody basically just off their Instagram, you know, or, yeah, or like true. 
the conver even just the conversations you've had with them, you know, it's like, cause in, in our community, everything is usually geared towards like making stuff. So yeah, you no, know, you're missing like 90% of who a person is, is yeah. if that's, you know, if you're just basing it off like their Instagram or whatever. Yeah. So. It's not a bad idea. We should, we should make that a thing. Like if you, yeah. if you join the patron, um, Patreon, send us a, voice memo or something that we'll play on the podcast as your intro. And then we'll piggyback off that. That'll be much better. So that was a great uh, idea. Matthew, uh, David, we'll, we'll expect those voice memos <laughs> <laughs> before this episode drops on Saturday. I know you won't ever hear that in time, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. And uh, so, yeah, if you guys want to support us on Patreon, uh, we've got the, name actually working right you can just search for the makeshift i think it's patreon.com slash makeshift podcast uh there was some wild stuff going on there when toby was trying to look it up a couple weeks ago <laughs> but i have i have fixed all that stuff so nice i right. think it's in the link tree also on our uh, yeah, instagram yeah. profile yeah 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 cool all right and uh so nick where can we find you on ins oh Everything's under Birch Toll Design Build. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Reddit now. And nice. website, same thing. Nice. Did you hear that episode where I was like, man, how, how did he um, huh. how did he come up with his name? <laughs> and Chris is like, I think that's just his last name. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> I was thinking like Birch, like the wood. <laughs> and you're like telling a story, Birch told. I'm like, no. Nope probably just his name <laughs> that's that's see that's why we shouldn't be doing introductions for people <laughs> yeah or at least you shouldn't be you know what the new thing is going to be if they don't send an introductory post i'm just going to make up a bunch of stuff about them <laughs> <laughs> they're either going to send that voice memo or they're going to quit patron the very next episode <laughs> three-time olympic winner just like some some crazy facts <laughs> yeah all right well thank you for joining us nick and we will see thanks, everyone thanks. next week yep see you thanks right. for having me.